0: Am I on? Yes. Happy New Year, everyone. New year. Just open with a, with a prayer. Father, we just thank you for 2018. Yeah. We thank you that we have anticipation for a great year. Yes. We thank you that we have belief in you and trust in you to work all things together for good yes. in our lives. Yes. And Lord, no matter what has happened in 2017, Lord, we are now at a, a beginning of a new year. Mm. And in this new beginning, we just pray that you would continue to work out your purposes yes. in each of our lives yes. and in our, in our congregation collectively. Father, that um, we would just know your leading and the power of your Holy Spirit and the, uh, the peace and joy and the righteousness of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit working in our lives in the kingdom of God. Yes. So Father, as we just come around your word this morning, we just pray that you would quicken it to us. That there would be a sense, Lord, of, of, of something that is old but something that is new. Yeah. Lord, that the reality of your life, of the life of Christ that is within each one of us mm. by faith yes. would, would light up as it were and be, and, and be quickened yes. by your spirit yep. as we just come around your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak on the subject this morning of am I seeking what I already have? And I know for many years for me, there was a sense of always not feeling quite good enough. Of always feeling that I've got to get a whole lot more like Jesus. And I guess many of us feel like that, that have been on the Christian, Christian walk and living in that sense of knowing that there seems to be more. I'm not quite good enough. Um, I'm not quite where I should be. And there is that sense of, um, "Oh, sh- how shall I say? A sense of dissatisfaction. And in, for, for many, many years of my Christian life, as I, I'm sure I've shared before, I had that struggle. But I just want to say that this morning, that I I was in fact seeking what I already had. Mm -hmm. I was seeking something from outside of me Mm -hmm. to come in, which was already in by the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. When we're called into faith, when Jesus brings us, Into his life, into us, and we accept him as our savior and lord. By 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 his grace, he forgives all our sin, Mm. and we stand righteous before him in Christ by faith. It is by faith that we receive all God's promises, and I want to talk about three particular promises which you think well they're all a little bit obvious I've heard all this before and I know these things but I want to drill a little bit little bit deeper and say do you really really know by faith those three promises are you are loved you are forgiven and you are accepted in Christ you are loved you are forgiven and you are accepted in Christ I want to put up a quote from C.H. Spurgeon who was a a great preacher in the 19th century in London and became world renowned uh, and had a congregation of of literally thousands at a time when churches weren't that large and um, he was, a, he was a great preacher. He's known as the king of preachers. And he said, I sometimes wonder what you do no, that you do not get tired of my preaching because I do nothing but hammer away on the same one nail. I have driven it up to the head and I've gone around to the other side to clinch it. But still I keep at it. With me it is year after year None but Jesus. None but Jesus. Oh, you great saints, this is old English stuff. Oh, you great saints, if you have outgrown the need of a sinner's trust in the Lord Jesus, you have outgrown your sins. But you have also outgrown your grace, and your saintship has ruined you. Work that out. <laughs> and what he's saying, in effect, is. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross and what Jesus has done and given at the cross to each one of us. That's what it's about. It's actually that simple. It's not difficult. Yet sometimes we, we, get, we come into this place in our, in our Christian lives because we're, we're always searching for more. And that's something that God puts in us because he wants us to know more about him, right? Yeah. But in that place, we can get, if we're not careful, into a place of... of if, you, if you like being... We can, we can become condemned if we don't feel we're good enough. We can become um, self-righteous if we feel we're really good. <laughs> and there's this, uh, this thing in human nature which sort of goes outside of, of, of the, the clear promises that God has given us. And I want to look at each one of these in turn. First of all, you are loved. John 3.16. We all know it, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life we quote it as our salvation prayer we go back to it we repeat it we share it with those that we love that don't know Christ god so loved the world so loved the world that he gave that he gave his only begotten son unconditionally while we were yet sinners christ died for us the gospel of grace is the gospel of love nothing to do with what we do or what we've done it is grace grace is the unmerited favour of God given to you and I we've heard it before, we know it do we live in that do we live in that fact that Jesus loves us, that God loves us? Do we feel loved? Do we know his love? Do we walk in his love? That is the challenge in the sense that not to, not to lay hold of it, but just to rest in it. Mm. To rest in his love. That he loves us. No matter what our failures are, No matter what our shortcomings are, no matter matter our struggles and where we've let him down, he continues to love us. Amen? Amen. He continues to love us. We we know that that man was made in relationship to God. The Garden of Eden, God fellowshiped with him, walked with him, walked with Adam. Yet when the fall came and Adam felt ashamed and hid from God, God came looking and said, where are you, Adam? Where have you gone? I don't... What are you doing? He says, I was ashamed, so we hid. Mm. We're built for relationship. God made man in his image for relationship with him. God needs you in that relationship. You might not have actually thought that through. But God has made you unique. You're an individual. You're someone that is special. And you have a special part and purpose to play. And you might think, well, I'm not really up to that. I mean, I've lived my life, some of you. We're just taking it easy now. But God actually wants you in that close relationship with Him. Yeah. And He has a purpose to you for, to fulfill with others. However limited that might seem, He has a part for you to play. He has a deposit that you have that He wants you to give to others. Yeah. And that is a constant thing. It comes in seasons sometimes. Sometimes but God has that sense of his love is always going out from him to us and then through us to others it's a river, it flows we are safe from sin, condemnation, shame and guilt once and for all at the cross that is the manifold love of God he gave his son for our sin for our shame for our guilt that's where they are they don't need our attention we don't need to focus on them we don't need to go after them and 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 confess them and bring them out out on show they're dealt with they're finished with i don't mean d- d- don't face up to your issues. Just face up to them in the sense that they can be changed and taken and dealt with. Yeah. And sometimes we, that involves choices. And it really does involve faith. Because sometimes those things, they call them sin if you like. Those, those things that, we, that are a challenge for us and that are a difficult are very familiar and they can be our friends. Yep. A wise man once said, God will not deliver us from our friends. He will only deliver us from our enemies. Yep. So if some of those habits or, or problems that you, you face, that you struggle with, are actually your friends, if that unforgiveness for somebody else has become so familiar to you that it is a friend that you're not gonna let go of that you're always gonna bring up and and always chew over. Mm. God can't take it off you because it's a friend. Mm, He'll deliver us from our enemies. Mm. And God's love is such that he will often, he'll be speaking to us gently by his spirit and saying, Maybe these things need to go this year. Maybe they're just a bit too familiar. Maybe it's time to let go. And he will lead you gently into that place where he'll give you the strength. And it might be that you need others to journey with you on that. And we're all here and we're all in our own human state with our own weaknesses and our own challenges. And we're here for each other. Amen. You know, how do you feel God's love? How do you feel the love of God? How does it become real to you? I was thinking about the parable of the lost son, or the, the as it's known traditionally, the parable of the prodigal son. And he was his father's son yet wanted the inheritance and asked for the inheritance early. Took the inheritance, went to a foreign land, spent it on his fleshly desires. Eating, drinking, partying, prostitutes, the whole thing. Lost it all and ended up in the pig pen. We know the story. But what he loved was what the father had. What the father gave him. And that was the inheritance. Not the father. The same in the, in the sense when the children of Israel came out of the wilderness. They came out with the gold and silver of Egypt. The Egyptians gave it to them on the way out. And what did they do with it when Moses was up the mountain receiving the commandments? They got Aaron to build a calf with what God, if you like, had given them. And sometimes we can get focused on what God gives us and the blessings and lose sight of the giver. And to really know the love of God, we come to that place where we focus on the Father, where we focus on Him and on His love. I felt recently just to meditate particularly on um, John chapters 12 through 16. And what's there is a conversation and just the, the beauty where John really captures that relationship that Jesus had with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and how that relationship is for us also. The relationship with the father, as the father. Those of us that are parents know that there's something very special, irrespective of what we face with our children. Whether it be just a little baby and the dependence of that baby, it changes our hearts, it changes who we are, it changes everything in life. There's a connection there. And that's a sort of connection in a spiritual sense that the father has for us. That's the picture of his relationship with us. Religion makes it about what we do to pacify, to pay penance for our sin. Christianity is about relationship. Yeah. It's about a two way thing. And that's the call that we have from our Father, from our Heavenly Father. We are loved. We are to know His love, and to walk in His love, and to live in His love. Secondly, we're forgiven. You know, one of the traps of the enemy is that he wants to bring us under condemnation. And he wants us to be sin-focused, to be focused on our weaknesses, to be focused on those things that are wrong. And he will get our eyes off the Father who is altogether pure and lovely and wants us to walk in His love onto what's wrong with us. That's what the enemy does. If you read the, uh, the story of Job and how, <coughs> how Job's three friends... could I get it? the water there, love? Thanks. I left my water down below. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, now. yep, she's after the prophet's reward. So you look at the story of Job and you, you find that he had three friends, right? And the friends uh, all had a reason. Even though they were weeping with him, even though they mourned with him, or even though they spent seven days just saying nothing in, in ashes and sorrow because they saw the state and the, and the loss, the incredible loss that Job had experienced in his life. They started coming up with reasons. And it's a poetic book and the reasons are quite long. <laughs> but they started coming up for, with reasons why this must have happened to him. That it must have been about sin, that it must have been about something he's done because God is not going to punish somebody. And all, their total perception was what was happening to him was punishment when in fact that wasn't the case. There was something going on in the spiritual realm. And the enemy was having a right go at righteous Job. And even Job couldn't quite work it out because as far as he was concerned, he he had a self-righteous issue in that he really hadn't done anything wrong and he couldn't quite work it out. But he knew that God was altogether righteous and right. And that's where he kept his integrity. But we find that in that story we have a picture of the battle that we're in. And one of the enemy's tactics is to challenge and to get us to focus on our weakness, to get us to focus on our sin. And at the cross, sin was dealt with. Now, in our Protestant Catholic tradition, we've had this focus on repentance, and um, I'm all for repenting from time to time. And sometimes we have to get it right with others. But the reality is, as we read Ephesians 1.17, it's very clear when it comes up. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God's unmerited favour. The two are together. Forgiveness is absolute past, present, and future. It's not something that we have to come up with and repeat and constantly be in a place of self-examination. And it's been a trap, I believe, and it all you see this in so, so many religions where there's this sense of um, of penance and uh, of asking for repentance and of seeking what's wrong and where we've done wrong. Repentance is very simple, it's a matter of turning around and going the other way. And that's what each of us that have received Christ have done. The fact that we still have that parasite called sin that gives us trouble from time to time is not what we focus on. We focus on the fact that God has given us through Christ his gift of righteousness. Mm. Yeah. That is something that Jesus has done. It's all about Jesus, mm. it's all about what he's done. And he said, Well, if I don't be in a constant place of repentance, then will I ever? I'll never change, I'll never deal with it. That's the argument of the enemy. But if we're in a constant place of the focus on the righteousness of Christ, that's what we'll live. Amen? amen. If we focus on what is good and what is lovely, Paul says it very clearly in Philippians, whatsoever is of good report, whatever is lovely, etc., etc., dwell on these things. Dwell on all Jesus is, and the fact that it is no longer I that lives, that old sinner. He's dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me, and I live that life through the power that He has put within me, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. We are forgiven. Forgiven is a noun, it's not a verb. God has given you the gift of forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. At the cross, sin was forgiven and finished with. It's a done deal. Not a favour to be earned. Not something you have to lay hold of all the time. It's given you. We have it. It's within us. Am I seeking? Are you here this morning seeking forgiveness again? when you already have it and live in it. And we might have regrets and we might even have, um, you know, kicked the cat this morning or lost our temper with somebody, had a bit of a growl and a grump on the way to church. You're forgiven. We dwell in a place of forgiveness. Now, you might have to ask the person that you've growled and grumped at for forgiveness. To put it right, to say sorry, because they're not quite so forgiving perhaps as God. <laughs> but we live in a place of being forgiven once and for all. And lastly, accepted. Ephesians 1, 4, 6 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves you know it's not to the praise of our glorious performance when we look at life and the world that we're in today and we look at the TV and we, we see the ads, you know, there's, there's this message that comes across. If you use this perfume, well, you're just going to be absolutely be irresistible. <laughs> just and look sort of beautiful with that sort of what is it almost heavenly glow around you so you wear that perfume and you've got no problem with the blokes okay or you wear this label and maybe you do that program that that um, you know you get this machine and you do certain things with the machine, or the machine, you go around the middle here, and it just does something, and you come out with a six-pack. You know what I mean? Doesn't work, sorry. And the world const- constantly says, this is what you need to do to be acceptable this is what you need to do to be loved this is what you need to do to fit in there's something in us that just wants to be accepted right? there's something in us which wants to please other people, to be part of the crowd, to fit in, even in church, really, even in church we can't be ourselves in church, well we certainly can be ourselves in church, however there are unspoken rules about behaviour, about being there, about making sure you get to all the meetings or things on time, certain way of behaviour, certain way of maybe looking, behaving which makes us acceptable in the eyes of others or maybe the big people or your perception of the big people. In each one of us there's this performance orientation of being accepted, of needing to be accepted. And it's the same with our relationship with God. We've got this thing that we need to be a certain way for him to accept us. Yet when we look at Jesus, he kind of blew everything completely apart. Because one of the first people he he spoke to was the woman at at the well who was a Samaritan and had been married five times. And he spent time with her and she later became a great evangelist, so church history tells us. And even went to Rome. He accepted Samaritans who were not even spoken to by Jews. He accepted and healed Roman servants and accepted the Romans who were the occupying force in Israel. He accepted prostitutes, he ate with sinners, and of all people, tax gatherers, inland revenue people. People that collected taxes for the Romans, the occupying forces, who were hated. He even got one of them to be a disciple. He blew everything out of the water. that The the religious, religious people said... Why do you? He eats with tax gatherers and sinners. We don't get this. But what even got them was that he actually had time for them as well. And spent, you know, we know the story where he sat down with Nicodemus. So nobody was excluded, they were all accepted. And in the same way, Jesus accepts each one of us now. Yeah. We are accepted, irrespective of our orientations and our problems and our sins and our weaknesses. Mm. He accepts us. We are all accepted in Him. He chose us in Him. <clears throat> Before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. Now if each one of us gets real honest, we know we're not holy and we're not blameless, right? Have we got anybody here? No. Have I got any hands here? <laughs> but you are. By faith in him because he is in you. That's how he sees you. That's how the Father sees you. Holy and blameless. In love he predestined us for adoption as in sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us. In the one he loves. Just like C.H. Burden said, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus for you and I. Yep. It's not about us, whether we feel tired, worn out, bad mood, miserable, whatever. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. Mm, And when we focus on Jesus, he lifts us up out of that place. The psalmist said he lifts us up out of the miry clay and sets us upon a rock to stay. Mm. And that rock is Jesus. Mm. It's not about us. It's not about our performance, it's not about even our acceptance in the eyes of others, it's all about how he has accepted you. Could be that you were never able to please your father or your mother but you please him as your heavenly father and that's actually all that matters amen that's all that matters so that you please him and he loves you and he has forgiven you and he has accepted you and what you're seeking you actually have in Christ amen would the music team like to come up and we'll just draw to a close but in this year of 2018 I just want you to remember those three words, you are loved, you are forgiven and you are accepted in Christ, just as you are right here and now, irrespective of your state, just give him your heart, he just wants your love because he first loved you. Amen. Lord I thank you for each one here I thank you for your love I thank you for your power that he has lifted us up into heavenly places to be seated with him by faith father I pray for each one here that you lift us up into heavenly places in our spirits within our soul within our mind We cast off all condemnation in Jesus' name and pray for the freedom that is in Christ alone to be freely received by each heart here in Jesus' name. It's all about you, Lord Jesus. Why don't you stand with us?